we've read a lot of Scripture. But I mostly want to look at John 19, the crucifixion of Jesus. We have no king but Caesar. That's what the chief priest shouted to Pontius Pilate. We have no king but Caesar. That's what the Jewish chief priest, this, co this country that had been waiting for their promised king for hundreds and hundreds of years, that's what they shouted to Pontius Pilate. We have no king but Caesar. Crucify him. That's what the people of Jerusalem shouted to Pilate. Five days earlier, a man had ridden into town on a donkey, on a road laden with cloaks, with people waving palms and shouting, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That was five days ago. There were probably still some trampled palm leaves on the side of the road leading up to Jerusalem. So five days ago, let's welcome our new king, Jesus of Nazareth. But now, here in John 19, crucify him because we have no king but Caesar. The determination of the human heart to willfully turn away from God and the speed at which that can happen are astounding. The crowd in front of Pilate did it. You do it and I do it. And that's what sin is. It's a, a turning away from God, from his character, from his nature, from his laws, his commandments, his path. It's putting what we want ahead of what God wants for us and for his creation. And the cross was God's plan for how to deal with that sin finally, fully, once for all. This was the plan all along the cross. All throughout the Old Testament, it was hinted at. It was foretold, patterns repeating over and over, all pointing to something greater. The true and better Adam, the true and better son of Abraham, the true and better David, everything in redemptive history leading up to this man Jesus and to this moment on the cross. And so it's no wonder that when Jesus had given up his spirit and his work was done, he cried out, it is finished. It is finished. In Greek, that phrase is actually one word, tetelestai. It's over. It's done. It is perfected and completed. All the sacrifices, the works of Jesus the Redeemer, finished. He died so that we might live. In our passage from Genesis, we see Abraham, a godly man, called on to sacrifice his only son, the one that God had promised to him, the one that he had been waiting for for years and years. And although Abraham didn't understand it, he obeyed. Young Isaac, confused with his father. He says, Father, I see the, the wood and the knife, but where is the sacrifice? And Abraham says to him, God himself will see to the sacrifice. So Isaac carries wood up the hill himself, just like Jesus carrying his own cross. At the last minute, God stops Abraham because he was never going to have Abraham sacrifice his son. He stops Abraham, and Abraham looks up, and he sees what the real sacrifice is, a ram caught in the thorns of a bush by its horns. Abraham looks up, and he sees a sheep 
a male sheep, the sacrifice that God demands with a crown of thorns around its head. God himself will see to the sacrifice. Jesus on a hill outside of town, God himself seeing to the sacrifice. On the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. At Passover, God told his people to kill a spotless lamb, put its blood on the doorway of the home, so that the blood of the lamb would cover over those in the house, and God's judgment would pass over them. God himself will see to the sacrifice. All the metaphors, all the signs and symbols, coalescing and harmonizing in unity on the cross. It is finished. It really is. It is finished. The penalty for sin has been paid. The separation of God and God's people is over. True and full reconciliation between us and the one who made us. Adopted as beloved sons and daughters, able to call God Father. Brothers and sisters with Christ, united with him to one another in his body, the church. It's easy, it's easy in images of the crucifixion to focus on the actual physical suffering of Jesus. The whipping, the scourging, the spear shoved into his side, the hands and feet nailed to a cross. It is a torturous way to die. And the Romans did that on purpose. Sometimes in the Roman Empire, the road leading into a city would be lined with people hung on crosses on both sides of the road. As a warning, about what happens to those who go against Caesar and the empire. And so as gruesome and as almost unthinkable as that kind of torture is to our modern Western minds, we should not regard Jesus' physical torment as the greatest price he paid. Many people throughout history have been and are still today horrifically tortured. No, what should weigh heaviest on us when we think about what happened that day is the weight of sin that Jesus bore. God hates sin. It is a violation of his law, and his law is a reflection of his character and his nature. When we sin, even if we don't realize it, what we're doing is we're turning against God, and we're trying to be little gods ourselves because suddenly we get to decide what is right and what is wrong, what's acceptable and what's forbidden. So if God hates every sin, Imagine the full weight of the wrath of God bearing down on Jesus that day as God poured out his judgment for every single sin, all the sins of his people, past, present, and future, on the head of one man, Jesus of Nazareth. And yet, and yet, even here in this cosmic, overwhelming, panoramic display of God's grace to his people where a substitute is brought in to take the death that we should die. In this overwhelming portrait of grace, we get Christ showing a tiny picture of grace to his family and friends. At the last moment, when the full wrath of God the Father is bearing down on God the Son, when his physical body is being tortured, When he's hanging on a cross, that means that drawing every breath is becoming a full body activity and he is in danger of actually suffocating at any moment. His last thoughts are for his people, to care for them, to shepherd them. On the cross, 
He sees Mary, his mother, and he sees the apostle John. And with a few words, he tells Mary that he cannot care for her anymore, but that his friend John is going to watch over her from now on. At the moment of death, Jesus still provides for his people. Jesus knew what he had come to earth to do, to serve and to shepherd. And so he knew when it was over, to tell us die, it is finished. Redemption, restoration, forgiveness. Do you believe that? Do you believe this incredible gift that you have been made right with God because of what Jesus did on the cross? Do you believe this? Do you have faith that Jesus' death was sufficient for each and every one of your sins? Yeah, even for that one. Well, it is. Hebrews 10 says that the great high priest Jesus made the final and ultimate sacrifice himself. Once for all, nothing more needed. It is finished. So it is finished for those who make tiny gods out of something trivial and base their whole life on something smaller than following God. It is finished for those who do evil in the name of God. It is finished for those who don't know how to rest and put their trust in God. It is finished for those who put themselves first and everybody else can fight for second. It is finished for those who take whatever they want from whomever they can. It is finished for those who break their promises, for those who value their own pleasure over anyone else's pain. It is finished for those who think honesty and integrity are nice as long as they don't get in the way of getting what I want. It is finished for the greedy, for those who are never satisfied and always want more because they do not want to admit how empty they are in their hearts aside from the stuff in their homes. It is finished. Sin has been paid for. It is finished for prostitutes and drug dealers. It is finished for pornographers and for pornography addicts. It is finished for liars and thieves and gossips and busybodies and torturers. It is finished for everyone who has done something in the past that they feel so ashamed about that they do anything to distract themselves when it comes up in their minds. Trust that it is finished. Trust in Jesus. Run to him. When Jesus started out his earthly ministry, what did he say? He said things like, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. So repent. Turn away from your sin and turn to me. And he also said at the beginning of his ministry, he said, follow me. He said, come with me. And then what does he say at the end? It is finished. Jesus Christ, stricken and afflicted. The full wrath of God poured out on God the Son. It was my sin that held him there. And yours. But because of Christ on the cross, it is finished. Sin is paid for believe this. We are forgiven. Thanks be to God.